In every Harvard dorm, there is a little piece of history, a small red landline phone. Most of us probably disconnected it on our first day and stashed it in the back of a closet or under a futon. But imagine for a moment we left that red phone connected and imagine that it rang. We'd have no idea who was calling or what they needed or even if the call was meant for us. The only way to find out would be to pick up. Now we all have cell phones to make us more connected. But we are all so busy that usually when we get a call, we rush to silence it. We wonder, why didn't they just text me? I received a call about a year ago from a 16-year-old friend of mine named Avery. Avery had leukemia, and I had had lymphoma several years earlier. So naturally, we talked about sports. <laughs> On this particular phone call, he told me about his Make-A-Wish trip to the Super Bowl with Jamie Foxx and Leonardo DiCaprio. Leo was the man, he told me. He was rocking this giant beard. And I met Kate Upton, and I was making her laugh, and she even gave me a kiss. I teased Avery that maybe there was still a chance he would get Kate Upton's number. But in the meantime, I was glad to hear he was doing so well. Tragically, about a week later, Avery passed away. It wasn't fair what happened to Avery, but I am always so grateful that he and I shared that phone call. The warmth and the joy in his voice always give me strength. A lot of things aren't fair. At the beginning of the year, Dean Karana asked us, do we want to prepare students for the world as it is, or the world as we want it to be? It is easy to disengage in the world as it is when we hear of the suffering of people from Iraq to Newtown, when we know the globe is warming and the middle class is shrinking. It is easy to think that no one can solve these big problems and to conclude that no one should try. But it is also easy to disconnect in smaller moments. It's easy to answer, how are you, with busy, to end a conversation rather than feel vulnerable by opening up. It's easy to sweetly lie to those people in Harvard Square holding clipboards, I'll be back soon, and then avoid them for the rest of the day. It is easy to be unavailable because each of us is working on something important. Engaging requires us to choose empathy, to set aside time for what is important to others. But at Harvard, in ways big and small, we engaged. We chose optimism over cynicism when we planned an educational trip to Israel and Palestine, or we gave a voice to refugees the world had left in the dust of Western Tanzania. We watched as fifth graders beamed at their state senator when she told them that they were all actually her boss. It reminded us that our democratic political system, so often a punchline, can still inspire. We chose to appreciate each other's gifts rather than view them as threats to our own. We brought a latte to a friend up all night in a lab across campus. We cheered together on spring break trips all over the world when Steve sank the shot to beat Yale as time expired. Yeah. 
We chose empathy when we respectfully disagreed in class and said, I'd just like to push back on that. <laughs> in these moments, we glimpsed a world as we want it to be. Now, as we are about to leave this place, we're excited, even restless. But we worry. Will we like our new job? Will we get into the right grad school? Will our parents keep paying our cell phone bill? <laughs> Most of all, I think we worry about losing our ability to choose. Next year, it will be easy to stress about big meetings and important presentations, because our bosses will tell us that they matter. It will be easy to spend even more time being busy, because that's how we're told to get ahead. It will be easy to disengage and forget those special moments that we shared here. But in this reality, then, before we worry about changing the world, let's remember and let's choose not to let the world change us. Let's invite someone who looks lost to sit with us at lunch, like we might have in Annenberg. Let's give our neighbor directions, like we would to tourists looking for the John Harvard statue. Let's keep making time for our friends, even when we have a million things we should be busy doing instead, like we did when we went out for drinks after our roommates turned in their theses, and like we did for more drinks when our roommates got their thesis grades back. <laughs> Harvard graduate Robert Kennedy told South Africa under apartheid, each time we act to improve the lot of others, we send forth a tiny ripple of hope. Crossing each other from a million different centers, those ripples build a current which can sweep down the mightiest walls of oppression. I see in front of me thousands of ripples toward a world as we want it to be. I see in our collective imaginations and our combined actions the beginning of a mighty current. Robert Kennedy's brother, President Kennedy, installed in the Oval Office a direct hotline to the head of the Soviet Union, popularly depicted as a small, red, landline phone. They used it in times of crisis to build a momentary connection. Today, it would be easy to pretend there is nothing we can do, to disconnect, to stash other people's problems in the back of a closet or under a futon. But instead, let's connect our red phones and make ourselves available for those small, serendipitous moments when someone needs us. Let's engage, even when it makes us feel vulnerable. Because how we treat each other, bit by bit, will affect how leaders treat leaders and how nations treat nations. As we celebrate our commencement, let's always remember that our diploma is not a piece of paper. Rather, it is a call, a call to see the world as it is and still choose to imagine a world as we want it to be. Right now, the phone is ringing off the hook. Answering that call requires us to make time. But when we answer, I believe we will always be so grateful that we did.